Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money. I'm your host, Tom, the Savings Captain. And of course, I'm joined by my producer, Radish, who's the hardest working dog in podcasting. Hey, I'm excited to go over and and share this episode today. So we've got 20, uh, let's call it a little over 20 episodes of Money Happy Hour recorded already. And one thing I've wanted to do and I think there's pretty good appetite for is, I'm calling it money happy hour, get this, shots. Think of shot glasses at a happy hour, smaller condensed versions. And these shorter episodes, there's pretty much going to be me going over two, maybe three headlines that I see that relate to business, personal finance, the economy, individual stocks. But not just read the headlines, because I know this audience is much more intelligent than that. You can read your own headlines, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the headline and share a couple of my editorial comments and my point of view, but hopefully get some of your point of view, too, So when I go over these things. So I'm going to start airing these on a periodic basis. So today we're going to kick this off as the first episode that we're doing that. I've got three things I'm going to go over. And then finally, the fourth thing is the much anticipated big event. I bought my first or I started my first new position in a stock since 2017. Stick around to the end. I'm going to share my four finalists and spend a minute talking about who I chose and why I chose them. But this headline, let's jump right in because this is quick, short form content. Each Monday, I'm still going to do interviews, and deeper topics, but this short-form content is going to go something like this. So this caught my eye. 75% of Gen Z and millennial couples say it's too expensive to get married in the current economy. Classic headline, classic headline. It tells you the story, but let's go a little bit deeper, and that's what I'm going to do. Talk about what's going on there. So the average wedding in the United States is currently $30,000 US. That's just average. So that doesn't really tell you much. I got I got curious and dug a little bit deeper. You know, we've had so much inflation. Inflation's been in the headlines across all categories the last couple of years. So I backed it up. And this is what I was surprised to find out. So I went back about 20 years. I mean, this is the most reliable data that I could find. But in 2002, I was surprised the average cost of a wedding was $21,000. Now, in 20 years, uh, you would expect wedding costs to go up. Um, I don't know what figure I was more surprised with. If in 2002, a wedding cost $21,000, and now it only costs $30,000, it just gave me some sort of a baseline. I can't think of too many big-ticket events, purchases, that uh, you could make in 2023, they're 30,000. That would have been 21,000 uh, two decades ago. And I, I can't imagine a $21,000 car only costing $30,000 today. So that jumped out at me. I backed it up a little bit further because I was curious. Um, I got married in 1995. So I said, what was the average wedding price then? And uh, it looks like it was t- just about $13,000. So in today's so in today's dollars that would be a little over twenty six thousand dollars. Again, um, 
it kind of conforms with the direction of increase. I honestly thought weddings would be a heck of a lot more than that. So what's driving that factor that uh, millennials and Gen Z individuals feel like they can't get married? I would say the biggest difference would be um, the overall cost of everything else in their life outside of weddings. A lot of Gen Z and millennial individuals, there's, I think, well over 30 million um, college students or graduates that are carrying student loans. You've got the high cost of living, whether it's buying a home or renting. And I think those those costs have kind of agitated things and feeling, uh, making couples feel like, hey, there's no money. There's no additional money to get married to. So that's how I see it. That's my take on it. What's your take? The second story that really jumped out at me is, and this reminds me, this is a, a classic headline um, that really tells you nothing unless you go a little bit deeper and think about it for a minute. So this headline came out that American workers are demanding almost $80,000 a year to take a new job. Well, again, that doesn't, sounds like a little bit, it sounds like a lot, but maybe it's not. If you're in a high cost of living area, you probably couldn't, uh, you probably couldn't eat on that figure. But remember, we're talking, we're talking about the broad population of, of a large country like the United States. So a year ago, that figure was 69,000. Now it's 80,000. But what, what does that number really tell us? It really tells us, it kind of reminds me that, Labor is nothing more than a market, just like the stock market. It goes up and it goes down. Right now, it's kind of a bull market for labor, if you think about it. Think of all the, think of all the workers that are striking, threatening striking, getting new labor deals, all the organizations that are having to raise pay, because unemployment remains historically low at 3.5%. Step back a decade or so, that was not the case at all. You ran into situations where students graduated from college with debt, couldn't get a job, and were working as a barista at Starbucks. I knew people personally that had 20 years of experience um, and graduate degrees that were stocking shelves at grocery stores just to make ends meet. So my point being is, that's a headline I think at some point we see that change. We get we get back to some sort of equilibrium. Enjoy it while you can. I would say if you're a younger worker, uh, definitely take advantage of it while you can, but also recognize that you haven't signed a lifetime contract when, when you're working. Labor markets, just like the stock market, can turn and turn pretty quickly. Hey, so the last thing I wanted to share today, and I thought this was pretty interesting, uh, I'm on social media, on Twitter, quite a bit, and one of the things that I always see on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now, are Warren Buffett quotes. Anytime the market is down two days or more in a row, you bet people are posting and quoting Warren Buffett. So if you are a Buffett head, if you like Warren Buffett information, did you know that you can get a lot of this great stuff not just on X, one post at a time, but have you checked out CNBC? CNBC's website, and I'm going to share a link to this in the show notes, but if you go on CNBC under investing, you'll notice a tab there called Buffett Archive. 
And this has, they call it the definitive collection of Buffett in his own words. There's 30 full Berkshire Hathaway annual meetings going back to 1994, 140 hours of searchable views, 520 video clips, CNBC interviews, all at your fingertips. Hey, I saw that the other day just playing around on CNBC and just want to share that. thought that might be of interest to the audience. So let me share the big moment of the stock that I bought on Friday, August 25th. First new position I've started and why it's such a big deal since 2019. I've shared in other podcasts I haven't sold the stock since 2017. So there were four finalists, and the four finalists were Hershey, Apple, Tesla, and Texas Roadhouse. Gee, well, let me step back with Texas Roadhouse. I've always had a fancy for restaurant stocks, but then I have to check myself. Folks, I can't think of one restaurant stock during the course of my lifetime that is actually kind of a set it and forget it. What I'm getting at is they kind of run their course. They come in and out of favor. I could probably make a whole episode just on restaurant stocks that were high flyers that I've seen go bust in the last 10 to 20 years or no longer be great investments. So I kicked Texas Roadhouse to the side. Tesla. I really like Tesla. If I look at Tesla just as a car company and what they're doing now, you see squeezed margins. But if you look beyond the horizon. It's what they potentially still can become. Uh, think of a couple things. Full self-driving. Uh, hey, if they win, if they if they can produce a $30,000 electric car, game over. They will continue to capture more and more market share. I did not decide on Tesla. And the reason being is the volatility. It's still in the picture, you know, We'll see where it goes. So the two remaining stocks are Hershey and Apple. Hershey I really liked from a valuation standpoint. The other 10 stocks in my portfolio, they're very, they're very Hershey-like, I would call it. Steady, great businesses, pay a steady dividend. I pretty much felt I had enough of that in my portfolio. So the winner is, and it has to be, Apple Computer. Yes, I'm only 30-something years um, late to the game, later than Forrest Gump investing in the fruit company. I really like Apple from a long-term standpoint. I bought it at 176 and change the other day. I have been watching it. Classic moat business. Um, I'm fully prepared, though. I took an initial position in Apple. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed if it went down to the, you know, the 150 range. Should we get a market pullback? So welcome, Apple, to the savings captain individual stock portfolio. It met my criteria. I still am looking at Hershey and Tesla down the road, and I might even add McDonald's at some point. I'll keep that under consideration. Hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed this content. Uh, we've only spent about 10 or 12 minutes together. Do me a favor. If you like this, Send me a comment. Contact me at thesavingscaptain at gmail.com. Leave me a note on Twitter in this post. Add a comment. And please get the message out there and follow it. 
Until next time, here on the Money Happy Hour, we're going to continue to make every hour a happy hour for your money. That's it, folks. Have a great day. Thank you.